We're singing a prayer that God might do what we are studying in Romans and sanctify us. Turn back to Romans chapter 6, if you would, while I get a drink of water. We're in chapter 6 of the book of Romans. If you're new to Grace Church, this is our habit to study through books of the Bible. Um, we occasionally do different things, but uh, we'll have topical things sometimes. But most of our time is spent working our way through books of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, and right now we're in the middle of a study in Romans in chapter 6. Some of you think I move slow when we're going through books. I was listening to one preacher this week as he was talking about the beginning of Romans chapter 6 and he said, this is our hundredth time meeting in the book of Romans. He was in chapter 6. Donald Gray Barnhouse preached about 530 messages in the book of Romans. So we're not moving slow. But we're going to today. I started out this week studying for three verses and ended up, I'm going to preach one. It happens that way sometimes. But I'm going to read verse 1 to 14 in chapter 6. And then we will focus on verse 12. After teaching us about justification by faith alone in Christ alone, the second Adam, and after that contrast between the two, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Because sin had increased and grace superabounded. We saw that in the last part of chapter 5. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Thus far God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, we need you to apply your words to our heart. This is the very word of God. The word you inspired through the Apostle Paul. May your spirit work in each of our hearts. That we might believe it. That we might rest in Christ. And that we might grow in living for your glory. So help me to preach your word in the power of the Spirit. Wake us up and empower us and help us to hear your word in the power of the Spirit. 
Help us to understand it, therefore. And love is trust you. Live for your glory. So bless the preaching and the hearing of your word. It is in Jesus' name we pray for it and trust for it. Amen. We want things to be quick and easy, don't we? Fast food, microwaves, jump in the car and go. The world pushes us in that direction. 30 days to your dream body. Well, that's a dream, all right. No exercise. No dieting. Just take this pill. Or drink this drink. Or sign up for my program. I will make it easy. Not much in this life is really easy, is it? Especially things worth doing or having or knowing. But you know what separates the dreamers from those who are actually successful? Sustained hard work focused on a good goal. A never give up attitude. Successful people expect it to be hard and press through the difficulty for something that they desire or love or consider to be a good end. And there's some lessons in there for us when it comes to sanctification. Because Jesus is honest with us. In this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome it for you. Don't expect growth in grace to be easy. It's not meant to be. Just like getting in physical shape. If you've actually tried it for a while, you know, like if you go to the gym and you'll see in January the 1st, you'll see a lot of new people. And then in February, you'll see fewer of them. And then by March, it's the same people that's been there for five years. Because we expect to get that Miracle shape in six weeks. We expect it to be easy. See, sanctification is hard. And we have to be focused on the right goal, which is Christ-likeness. We have to know that God is at work in us producing what makes us look like Christ. But He's ordained the means as well as the ends and the means of our growth. Unlike our justification where it's a gift in Christ, the means of our growth in grace too are working. We have work to do that we might do what He's worked in us that we might grow in grace. So just like in the world, successful people expect life to be hard, expect work to be hard and drive through that difficulty toward the proper goal. Spiritually as well, we have to expect difficulty and be constantly driving toward that goal of Christ-likeness. Because we are new creatures in Christ, because we have been called and commanded to pursue growth in grace, and because we have a good God who tells us the truth that it will be tough. See, we have the encouragement of knowing that it's His grace. Sanctification is the work of grace just like justification, or justification is an act of grace, sanctification is a work of grace, but it's all of grace. The power, the accomplishment is what God works in us because of who we are in Christ. And what we've been trying to get a better grip on recently as we've been started in chapter 6 is who are we in Christ? See, to, to grow in grace, and we're just in chapter 6, and that's part of the difficulty of preaching through a letter that would have, be, would have been read through. But we'll see that if we're going to grow in grace, we have to know who we are and what our responsibility is. God calls us to Christ-likeness, to putting sin to death. So we know who we are in Christ so that we carry out our responsibility in Christ. But as we'll see, we're going to go through chapter 7 and 8 too. We need to know what our relationship is to His commandments. We need to know about the power of the Holy Spirit to live out this life. And we will learn about all of these things as we go through. But right now, we are going to begin today to apply the theology of sanctification that was given to us in verses 1 
through 11. So if you've not been with us in the study, just quickly what Paul has done, he's basically written to the Romans and told them that his whole thesis is going to be the gospel in this letter. And he started out by showing that everyone needs a Savior. Jew and Gentile are lost, can't save themselves, need a Savior. He's shown us that Jesus Christ is that Savior and that justification being made right with God comes through faith in Him and faith alone. And now we're in the section of sanctification, growth in grace. The soul that God justifies, He sanctifies. If He saves you, Boil it down. If he, if he saves you, He's going to make you progressively more like Jesus because His Spirit's going to be at work in you for that purpose. And within chapter 6, listen, we're still answering that first question. In verse 1, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Accusation from some of His opponents properly, probably. But His answer is by no means, no, that's not true, and he's telling us why. So he's given us the theology of sanctification in verses 1 through 11. He's told us that we were united to Christ through baptism. And before you get nervous, water baptism symbolizes the baptism of the Spirit that unites us to Christ. Works faith in us and unites us to Christ. It's not the water that saves or cleanses from sin. It's the blood of Christ. It's salvation in Him. So it points us to a deeper reality. But what he's telling us, he's showing us our union with Christ and telling us that when Christ died, we died. When he was raised, we were raised. We died with Christ and we were raised with Christ. We died to sin. So if you're a Christian, you will never sin. Those who have been here laughed at that. No, when it says we've died to sin, it means we've died to its reign. It's no longer our boss. It's no longer our king. It can't make us do anything anymore. We've been died to sin. We've been raised with Christ. We've been raised to newness of life. I won't re-preach those sermons, but look at the end. That's why it says in verse 11, So you must also, you also, you who are trusting in Christ, must consider yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And listen, I've heard this question from some of you, and it's the question that naturally comes up. If I've died to sin, then why do I still sin? If I've died to sin, why is there still a struggle with sin? Well, it's just because you're a weird Christian, okay? (laughs) We're all weird Christians, aren't we? No, the struggle is real, and and that's why you get over into chapter 8, and he starts talking about putting sin to death, so... There's a, there's, a, there's a reality to the struggle that I think will come a little bit more clear today. But I titled this sermon from verse 12, Do Not Let Sin Reign, because it's simply the first part of verse 12 in the verses, and I couldn't think of a better title. And I'm not always trying to be hip with my titles. Do not let sin reign. You've died to its reign, now don't let it reign. Main point today, since you are dead to sin and alive to God, resist sin's reign in your mortal body. And the struggle again, like I said, is going to start to come out this morning and we'll continue developing that as well. But the first point is the necessity of resisting sin's reign. And then some of you will be glad to hear point two is the difficulty, the struggle of resisting sin's reign. The challenge is the way I worded it. The necessity of resisting sin's reign and the challenge of resisting sin's reign. First, the, pers- the first part of verse 12. Let's look at, back, look at God's Word. Focus on it. Look at that. This should be the first word, okay? Not, not because Sometimes when we're trying to do word-for-word translation, we don't do what we really should do. Therefore is not the first word in the Greek because it's a word that doesn't come first. But it should be the first word in English. So let's look at that first. Look in verse verse 12. Therefore. Therefore. That's a connecting word. You, You need to pay special attention when you see words like therefore or for this reason, or for this purpose, things like that. But therefore connects what's come pre- gone previously with what he's about to say. Okay, The argument in verses 1 through 11, now he's starting to apply that. 
He's starting to, I don't like to call it um, practical because theology is practical as well. But we're getting the, the application of the theology of sanctification. We're starting that now in verse 12. So he connects it with that little word, therefore. And especially to verse 11. Remember, you must consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, therefore, whenever you see, little catchy little phrase, whenever you see therefore, ask what it's there for. Pay attention. We're connecting Paul. Paul is very logical. He's carrying his argument forth, his gospel argument forth in a very logical and ordered way. And we're taking another step this morning as we seek to apply what he's taught us in 6, 1 to 11 to our lives. And so he says, therefore, and here's the command. Here it says, let not sin reign in your mortal body. The New American Standard and some other translations word it right correctly. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Since what I've just said is true, and since you have died to sin and been born again, you're alive to God, since you've died to sin's reign, don't let it reign anymore. Remember we talked about emancipation and slavery and some of the slaves had a hard time believing the good news and they still lived under their masters longer than they should have. Well, Paul's saying believe the good news. You've died to sin's reign, so don't let it reign. And listen, this is a present, a present active command. What does that mean? It's a continual duty. It's not just a one-shot deal. You don't just get one day, you're converted, and you say, okay, sin, don't reign over me. Oh, good, I'm glad I'm done with that. I can move on. It's not that. It's a present active, which means a continual duty, not just one shot. So what he's saying is be continually vigilant, be watchful, be prayerful, be in the fight. And don't let this bully bully you anymore. Don't let this tyrant rule over you anymore. Because you're no longer under sin's reign. See, because the gospel is true, and let me stop right there. What is the gospel? Because some of you may not even know Jesus Christ this morning. Paul answers that question for us in, in 1 Corinthians 15 when he tells them and reviews for them the gospel that he preached, the gospel by which they were saved if they held fast to the truth, right? What truth? Christ died for our sins. All of that sacrifice and ceremony and picture and prophecy in the Old Testament with the lambs and the blood, all of that was pointing, was covering and pointing forward to the Christ, the Lamb of God, Jesus, the Son of God, who would come and save His people. And so when He was on that cross, after living a perfectly righteous life, deserving only blessing. He went to that cross, took our guilt, and He died and took the hell we deserve upon Himself. He took the wrath we deserve on Himself. He died for our sins. The punishment due us went on to Him on that cross. And before He left the cross, He said, It is finished. The, the, the Scripture said the soul that sins shall die. Sin, the wages of sin is death. And that death is both a physical death, which we're all familiar with, as well as spiritual death, separation from God, hell, wrath, eternity, however you, know, you want to draw those pictures. It's not comfortable to think about. Christ, because He was God and man on the cross, could drink that cup dry. He took our eternal punishment upon Himself and finished it because He was both God and man in one person, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. So when Paul says Christ died for our sins, it's summary statements he's giving here that show Christ to be the fulfillment of all of scriptures. There's one way of salvation and it's in this Christ who died for our sins and he was buried. Why do we bury people? Because they really die. He really died. And he was under the power of death for a time. And the third day he rose from the grave victorious. 
And it's through faith in Him, faith alone. You can't work. You can't be good enough. You can never fulfill God's law in thought, word, and deed. So you must repent, turn from thinking your own thoughts and going your own way and thinking you'll do your own thing to turn to God and receive His Son as the Lord, as your Lord and Savior, as the one who will forgive your sins. See, Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised the third day, and that proves the gospel true. And the resurrection of Christ is the most provable fact in history if you don't use a double standard. He's been risen, and now Acts 17.30, He commands all people everywhere to repent, to trust in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we have a Savior who achieved all of our salvation and who gives it to us as a free gift through faith and even works that faith in us by His Spirit when the Word gets into our heart, that gospel of Jesus Christ, so that we're connected to Christ through a faith union, die with Christ, hidden with Christ, declared righteous on the basis of Christ, and grown in grace. See, because the gospel is true and because Jesus died and rose from the grave and because we are in Him, we have died to sin's reign. Therefore, do not let it continue to reign. See, we're not preaching sinless perfection here. And we'll continue to deal with that because we see our duty to put sin to death and sinless perfection people can't make sense of that. But we're one with Christ. We've been united to Him. We died and were raised with Him. We have new life. We are new creations. Everything we've been talking about. We are forgiven through faith. If, if your trust is in Christ, you're forgiven for all of your sins. You're clothed in His righteousness. You're adopted into His family because you've been declared righteous on the basis of Christ. See, we have a responsibility now since the reign of sin has been broken to believe that and to live in the light of that, which is to put off the old and on the new. We're going to talk more about those things. But look at Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. Let me read that right quick. Paul writing to the Ephesian Christians, same guy who wrote Romans. He says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you, he's talking to believers, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And here he's using Gentiles as unbelievers, right? I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality. They're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But watch this. That is not the way you learned Christ, Paul says, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. Now here it is. See that little word too. This is, this is how God applies that salvation. This is our responsibility once we've come to Christ, been saved and declared righteous on the basis of His, of his work. We've been united to Him. It's now our responsibility, watch this, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds... How, how's that happen? Word of God. And to put on the new self. Look, the born again self, the new creation self, who you really are, your spirit, your inner being. Look at this. To put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So because we've Christians... Not in order to be. Because we have been forgiven. Because we have been cleansed from our sin. Because we are clothed in His righteousness. Empowered by His Spirit. Have the Word of God. We are now His people. We died with Him and were raised with Him. We're dead to the reign of sin. Because all of that is true for us, we have a gospel responsibility. Verses 22 and 24. To put off the old man or the old self and to put on the new self. And that's what we're going to be talking about as we move through the rest of chapter 6 and 7 and 8. Peter says it this way. After rehearsing the good news in 2 Peter 1, he says in verse 5, For this reason, for a gospel reason, make every effort 
to supplement or add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge and so on. So our responsibility as followers of Christ, as believers, as those who are united to Him, uh, point you back to the previous sermons if some of this is not making sense. But at, because we are Christians, now we have a responsibility to make every effort to grow. To put to death the deeds of the old man and to embrace the deeds of the new. See it there? Make every effort. Paul said, put off and put on. Just give you a tip. If you have a sin you're struggling with and you're trying to, to be free of it, it's not enough to try not to do it. To try not to think about it. I'm just not going to do it anymore. I get up this morning. Lord, I'm not going to do that anymore. No, it's like a part in the engine. If you're going to take one out, you've got to put one in. You have a broken spark plug in order to fix it. Yeah, you've got to take the old one out, but you've got to put a new one in. So you have to replace it with something. In order to put off, you have to put on. To make every effort. See, we have a responsibility that flows out of the gospel. This is not legalism. This is growth in grace. Sometimes every time you try to give somebody a command, and say, oh, that's legalism. No, that's just foolishness, what you just said. If the command is rooted in the gospel and flowing out of the grace of God in Christ, it's what God calls you as His children to do. The gospel makes a difference in our lives. We have a responsibility that flows out of the gospel and it affects our lives. And Paul is saying, look, you have everything necessary for this in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you don't have everything necessary. But if you're in Christ, you have this responsibility. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. So make every effort, Peter says. Fight for holiness out of who you are in Christ, not in order to be accepted. That would be legalism. Be more and more and more who you are in Christ. So do you see it there? The first part of that verse? Our responsibility as Christians is to not let sin reign anymore. And we might have to come out from under some, some delusion. We, not, we might not be fully rooted in the gospel. Maybe we believe we can't help it. I, I just can't help it. I didn't mean to do it. Well, you didn't mean not to do it. Right? I've, I've, I've worked with guys who struggle with pornography that won't change anything in their life so they can avoid it. They just want God to touch them with a magic wand. No, He commands us to repent and He empowers us to repent. And He expects us to take reasonable steps in order to do that. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. That is the ongoing command for us that flows out of the gospel. It's right there in your Bible. We've already talked about justification. We're already His children. We're already converted, right? Now we're talking about sanctification, which is growth in grace. And Paul says, because of who Christ is for you and who you are in Him, let not sin reign. And listen, he's going to continue talking about this and telling us more and more about how to do it. Right? But this morning, I just wanted you to see and own that command. You died with Christ to sin, so sin doesn't reign over you, so don't let it reign. By, and we're going to talk about means, knowing who you are, right? Knowing what your responsibility to God commands is. Knowing who the Spirit is for you, leaning on the Spirit. You have everything necessary for life and godliness in Christ Jesus through His Word, through His Spirit. Paul says, based on the gospel being true and who you are in Christ in your union with Christ, do not let sin reign. Peter says, make every effort. So, one of the implications of that, quietism is out. You might not be familiar with that 17th century her heresy in those terms. When I say this, you'll be familiar with it. Let go and let God is out. That's where it came from. The idea, the idea behind this, this 
heresy or quietism or the, 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 the philosophy of let go and let God. The idea is that we should quit striving for sanctification and for holiness because this is something only God can bring to pass in our lives. So we just need to be quiet, and sometimes we do need to be quiet. Like especially if you're thinking about saying let go and let God, just be quiet. No, So we just need to be quiet and let go and let God and wait for God to do it in us. So go down to the gym and purchase you a gym membership and then sit at home and wait for it to happen. You'll be a donut. Not a rock. No, 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 no. Let go and let God is unbiblical. It's heresy. It's not the gospel. We can see that from the command here in verse chapter 6 that we have a responsibility to not let sin reign. That Peter says we have to make every effort to grow. That Paul says we have a responsibility now as Christians to put off the old man and on the new man. God says we have everything necessary for this. That sin is no longer our master, so don't let it reign. So should we let go and let God? No, we need to trust God. We need to believe that sanctification is a work of His grace and He's working in us to will and to do according to His good pleasure. But then we need to will and to do. Jesus said, stay here. I'll go take care of it all, but you don't move. No, He said, follow me. Follow me. And that's really all Paul's getting us to do is follow Him. Make every effort. Do not let sin reign. You are dead to sin and alive to God. But there's a transition. But it will still be tough. Second point. Look at, look at number two. The challenge of resisting sin's reign. Look at the second part of this verse. So, let not sin reign, therefore, here we go, in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. See, isn't it interesting, and some of us have struggled with this, and I've tried not to get too far ahead and just let you struggle for a little while. It's interesting, though, that it's the, the, the indicative, the, the statement of fact to us is you're dead to sin now. You're in Christ, you're dead to sin. But it's interesting that you're dead to its reign, but now he says don't let it rain. You're dead to its reign, so don't let it rain. If you're dead to sin, why is this diligent action required? We'll look back at verse 12 again. Therefore, let not sin reign in your mortal body. You hear the ominous music? The villain just entered the room. In your mortal body. Notice he does not say in your glorified body. In your immortal body. We don't have that yet. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. Look at the end of the verse. To make you obey its passions. What's the implication of that? It will still try to reign. It will still try to rule. It will still lie to you. Sin the world, the flesh, and the devil, remember, lie to us so that we won't believe who we are, so that we won't live the way we should live. Paul says, fight against it. Let it not reign in your mortal body. Because it will try to make you obey its passions it will still try to make you obey. Why? How? We will see. We'll, we're going to talk a lot more about this. But this is vital for us to know and believe where we live. Paul uses mortal body here. He qualifies the body with the word mortal. He doesn't say, that, let not sin reign in you, but in your mortal body. He draws a distinction there. Let me just say this. Redemption has not been applied to your physical body yet. 
We, we are new spirits that dwell in fallen bodies. And we must put its deeds to death. Redemption has not been applied to your mortal body, your physical body. Paul often links mortality with corruption, and we see that in other places. But in Romans 8, see, we're going to get there. We're going to talk a lot more about this. So if I don't say everything you hoped I would say this morning, we eventually will. We, we still have a lot more sections to work through here. But in Romans 8, 23 to 25, it says, Not only this, not only the creation. He's already talked about the creation groaning in anticipation of the revelation of the sons of God, right? He says, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await for adoption as sons. What do you mean, Paul, in this instance? He tells us the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. We are waiting for that new glorified body. Anybody anxious for that? The longer you live, the more anxious you will be for that. You're young and smooth and sleek and energetic and you think you don't need it. Believe me, this is a short trip. Enjoy, because it's a short trip. Life goes by fast. We're waiting for the redemption of our body. Our mortal body still has the ruts of the old man in it. Our mortal body still has the sinful habits and thought patterns of the old man ingrained in it. The old man is dead. Crucified, but he left a lot of sinful habits behind that must be mortified. If you were raised in the country, you're familiar with driving on dirt roads. If you're not, maybe you've never seen a dirt road. I know a city where the bypass is a dirt road. But if you... If you drive on a dirt road in the rain when it's all wet and muddy, what's going to happen is you put ruts in that road. You'll see wheel tracks down the road. And then the rain stops and the road dries, and guess what? Those ruts are still there. And if that person who went down that road when it was wet and gushy, if they ran off the road... And now you're going down that road and your wheels are in those ruts. Guess what's going to try at least to happen? It's going to take you in the ditch. See, we have a lot of mental ruts left. We have a lot of habits left and sinful patterns that seek to guide us into the ditch of sin. And we have to put those to death. See, you used to be a sinful dead spirit in a sinful dead body. So when we're talking about new creation and new people and all of that, we're talking about the real you, the inner you, the spiritual you that inhabits these bodies. But don't make the mistake of thinking that the physical body has been redeemed yet. It hasn't. It will still try to guide you. You still have a lot to put to death the remnants of the old man. It still has those Sinful thought and habit patterns ingrained. The mortal body, what does that mean? The flesh and bones and blood we currently inhabit. A few things to draw out here. Look at that, look at that phrase. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. Well, what does mortal, mortal mean? Not immortal. What does that mean? This body is dying. It will die. If Christ doesn't come back, this body is going to die. We are immortal souls, but we live in dying bodies. Good news about that for believers is it's a temporary condition. Someday we will have a body that matches. Right? We will be delivered from the reality and presence of sin and death when we die or when Christ returns. It's a dying body. Number two, it's a sinful body. Sin remains in our mortal bodies. Listen, 
we're not slipping off into Gnosticism here. Body, being embodied is a good thing. God created our bodies. But with Adam, we fell into sin and therefore physical was polluted with sin. And redemption has been applied to our spirits, but not to our bodies yet. Flesh for Paul, in the way that he uses when he's talking about things like this, is a metaphor uh, for the place where sin still resides, where the remnants of sin are. We saw in verse 6 that the body of sin was the physical body seen as a sphere in which sin reigns. Romans 7, 18 says this, I know that nothing good dwells in me. Look, that is in my flesh, in my mortal body. For I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Paul had a desire to be perfect, but not yet the ability. He, like us, need the gospel every day. In verse 24 of chapter 7, Wretched man that I was. Is that what that says? Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Praise be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. While we are in, therefore, these mortal bodies, sin will remain in these mortal bodies and therefore there will be a struggle between the flesh and the spirit. Little s spirit. That new spirit. That new us that wants, like Paul, to live perfectly for Christ but is frustrated by the fact that it can never seem to walk it out. Another spirit comes into the picture, the Holy Spirit. We'll see that in chapter 8. We need to know who we are. We need to know our relationship to His commandments. We need to know the power of the Spirit, and we'll get there. But while we're in these mortal bodies, sin will remain in these mortal bodies and in this mortal flesh. There will never be a time in this life when we attain sinless perfection. So, you, you know, you can stop singing those hymns and reading those books, and there's a lot of confusion in higher life. Keswick theology. We'll talk more about that later. So, these bodies are dying. They're sinful. We're new creatures that inhabit them. So there's going to be a struggle. But, number three, sin must be checked. Now. It must be checked. Its reign must be thwarted. And again, we have everything necessary to grow in that. But sin's reign must be thwarted, or it will reign. Verse 12, let, therefore not, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Again, it will be the world, the flesh, and the devil is constantly trying to get you back into that place where you operate on the basis of I can't and I can't help it so that you, your life looks no different than it did before you were a Christian. God's not going to allow that to happen. The ones He justify, He also sanctifies. So while we may not be perfect yet and need the gospel every day, we will be different if we know the Lord Jesus Christ because His Spirit will work in us to fight against this reign of sin. So sin must be checked. It still, still seeks to be a bully. It still wants to make you do what, you, what it wants you to do but you are a new creature in Christ who's died with Christ and been raised with Christ and empowered by His Spirit. You are a new creation, so you have the ability to say no to its reign. Remember I said last week, you never have an excuse for your sin. You'll not walk in perfection, but you'll never be able to say there was an excuse for it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's always a way of escape. Talk more about that later. Sin in our lives, we have a responsibility to do exactly this. Let it not reign. By knowing the gospel, by owning our identity, by leaning on the power of the Spirit, we can grow in mortifying sin and putting it to death in this mortal body in which we live. Number four, Paul is contrasting the present bodies with our glorified bodies. I've already hinted at that. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Who will transform our lowly body, this present mortal body, 
to be like His glorious body, immortal body, by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. So while there's great struggle between the flesh and the spirit, as we live as believers in this life, there's encouragement because sanctification is a work of God's grace and He works in us, renewing and enabling, remember our definition, and He will finish the work He's begun. So it's not, don't, you want to be discouraged, ask if you're perfect, but just look for signs of growth. Read 1 John and look for signs of growth. It's not whether you're perfect in those things, but are those fruit. Look at the fruit of the Spirit. Is there fruit there? Am I growing in being loving toward God and man? Right? Being patient. All of, all of the list. But there is great hope because of Christ's resurrection. One of the things Paul does is he teaches us about Christ's resurrection and then he shows us that because Christ has been raised, we too will be raised. And someday we will have that glorified body. We will have that immortal body. We will have a body that matches our spirit so that there will be no more struggle between the flesh and the spirit when we're with Him in the new heavens, new earth. But he says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Because of the resurrection, Christ and then us in Him, he says this, in the midst of the struggle, <clears throat> he says, so we do not lose heart. Now watch the two selves here. Though our outer self, though this mortal body, this flesh, is wasting away, our inner self, the real you, is being renewed day by day. For this momentary light affliction, life in this world as a believer, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory behind all, beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, including these outer selves, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul is saying to us, because you are a believer, you have a responsibility. Now God, remember, it's because of God that we were born again. It's because of God that we're in Christ. We died with Him and were raised with Him. We're new creations with a new heart and a new spirit and a new law at work in us. But we live still in imperfection, in mortal flesh. We have a responsibility to, therefore, verse 12, not let sin reign in our mortal bodies. And we're going to continue talking about this as we move on. But today we see that the Lord not only commands success in our growth, in grace, in our sanctification, not just struggle, but He guarantees it since He works in us to will and to do according to His good pleasure. And everything He's done for us in Christ in, in justifying us and sanctifying us and converting us, everything He's done is fruitful. Based on who you are in Jesus Christ, work hard to grow in grace. Expect difficulty. Every day believe the gospel so that you know who you are and press through for the glory of God into Christ-likeness, into being like Him. So rest in Christ and know that you are dead to sin, and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And yes, you still live in these mortal bodies, so depend upon the Spirit of the living God and everything you are and He has provided for you in Christ. And in that way, you will not let sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. And again, we'll move forward as we look at this next time. I want to close with a quote from John Owen that is true. Heed it and pay attention. As a Christian, he says this, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Take it seriously, child of God. To live is Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, help us to believe your truth. Help us to know who we are. Help us to know where we live. We live in a fallen world. We're still living in mortal flesh. There is a battle between the flesh and the spirit.
But our God-empowered and provided for responsibility is to not let sin reign in us, in our mortal bodies. So help us to trust and to believe and to press in the reality and the fullness of who we are in Christ so that we will more and more die to sin and live to righteousness. Help us to die to ourselves and have our eyes fixed on Christ and to be growing in grace and growingly what we sang in Oh Great God that you might be glorified and increasingly so as we press in and strive to live for you out of your grace and out of your goodness and out of your power out of your word out of all of the blessings and riches that are ours in Christ Jesus. So help us to believe who you say we are to believe where you say we live and to take hold of that sufficiency that is ours in Christ that we might grow in living for you. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you this morning. I pray for, for them to come to faith, for you to work in their hearts, that they might turn from their sins and embrace Christ as Savior. We know not everyone will do that, but we pray and submit it to your will. We pray for those of us who know you to rededicate ourselves to what Peter says, making every effort because we've been given everything necessary for life and godliness. Being diligent, being on guard, being at post to not let sin reign because its reign over us has been broken. Give us patience in this fallen world and in these mortal bodies, but help us to progress and each day be a day when we grow more and more like Jesus. So convert and draw those to you who don't know you and grow in grace those of us who do. And may our lives be what you call us, light and salt to those around us for your glory and our good. Bless us, Lord, we pray. Make us diligent people who press hard into the reality of our salvation, who walk through difficulty in faith and grow in grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray and give you praise. Amen. Stan, let's sing uh, some encouragement. The Power of the Cross, number 272.